standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go Beyond the Bell. Welcome everyone, Gorilla Monsoon here at ringside with my colleague Jesse the Body Ventura as the World Wrestling Federation presents the wrestling extravaganza of all-time Wrestlemania. Enjoy it folks and right now let's go up to our ring announcer Howard Finkel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestlemania. WrestleMania season here at Beyond the Bell, powered by the SNS Radio Network. And I'm your host, ring announcer, Sean Becker, and back with you to bring you all things retro in wrestling. This is your Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast, ready to review WrestleMania. Over the next four weeks, we'll take you behind the scenes to give you a glimpse of WrestleMania behind the curtain. And we'll celebrate the 2013 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. And what a class it is. Tonight, we kick off the WrestleMania-themed content with the stories of WrestleMania Volume 2. I suggest going back in the archives at ringannouncing.com and snsradionetwork.com to listen to Volume 1 of the stories of WrestleMania. Volume 2 will consist of three parts, and tonight will debut Part 1 as we look back at WrestleManias 1 through 10 and the stories behind the granddaddy of them all. WrestleMania 1, David Sammartino, nothing like his dad. This fits perfectly with this year's WrestleMania because Bruno Sammartino, the legendary performer, will be inducted in the 2013 WWE Hall of Fame. Bruno was perhaps the greatest champion in the history of professional wrestling. But Bruno was long past the point of being the go-to guy when his son David went against his father's best wishes and chose to pursue a career in the ring as well. Already apprehensive at the idea of his son competing for the WWF instead of getting a college degree, Bruno reluctantly agreed to become his son's manager in the fall of 1984. When WrestleMania came around in March of 85, David found himself booked in his biggest match to date, a one-on-one clash with Brutus Beefcake. But behind the scenes, David and Bruno's constant clashes with the administration, especially with one person in particular known as Vince McMahon, it led to the almost immediate demise of both of their careers. Lacking the charisma and poise of his father, David floundered during the contest until both men were disqualified thanks to the eventual interference from Bruno and Beefcake's colleague, luscious Johnny Valiant. The idea was that having the match end in such a train wreck fashion would convince the fans that the only way David Sammartino could get even was to bring his father out of retirement to battle alongside him. 
And so, following the double disqualification, still one of the only non-finishes in WrestleMania history, Bruno returned for a little while to help alleviate David. Not only did the experiment fail, but it also created irreconcilable differences between the San Martinos and Vince McMahon, that is, until today. Bruno even went as far as to accuse McMahon of hiring a fan to get into an altercation with his son so he could use the incident as means for termination. Nevertheless, it seems as if the San Martino name will once be known in WWE history in its legendary status, as Bruno will now be inducted into the 2013 Hall of Fame. for this extravaganza here on WrestleMania. Boy, does he look good. First of all, escorted down the aisle by four of the world's famed rock hits. The guest time here, truly one of the greatest performers in show business today, the incomparable Liberace. Liberace about to make an appearance here in the garden. There he is. Did you see what his entourage was? Just a world-famous radio city rockets there he is what a spectacle we got here gino unbelievable the greatest thing i've ever seen in association with the world of professional wrestling a happening presented by the world wrestling federation wrestlemania look at this the rockets from radio city oh i love it look at this jess liberace's got a pretty fair kick there gino girls got nothing on him. The whole world knows about this, man. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T start to track the dream team, man. The dream team. Clandestine workouts are taking place at this very moment in this particular gymnasium with Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in preparation for WrestleMania. We gotta hit the gym. We gotta get the road work in and some of that stuff you've been doing. Stay hungry. I'm gonna get it. Do it. Come on. Do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, T. What is going on here, Cowboy Bob? Give him thought, Daddy. Meditation. What in God's name are you doing? <laughs> what in the wood It was destiny that brought us together. We are the dream team. The winners of the main event are Hogan and Mr. T. Liberace in the ring congratulating Mr. T and the Hulkster. And look at the champ. Truly magnificent individual champ, Hulk Hogan. A happening has happened, folks. The greatest wrestling extravaganza of the century, WrestleMania. McIntyre's malfunction from WrestleMania 2. 
In case you weren't aware, the WWF women's division was hurting horribly at the conclusion of 1985. Despite being the biggest face on the women's roster, Wendy Richter was nowhere to be seen when WrestleMania II came about, as she had left the company following the original screwjob, supposedly. Richter was forced to job to a disguised fabulous moolah in a shoot finish that would turn out to be Richter's last appearance for the company. Left with a few other options, the WWF decided to book an up-and-coming Velvet McIntyre as their heir to the throne in an effort to duplicate their previous success with Richter. So, at WrestleMania II, McIntyre tangled with the champion Moolah in a match that was booked for McIntyre to go over. But within a minute of starting, McIntyre missed a high crossbody from the top rope that broke the strap of her singlet from her shoulder. Attempting to avoid a massive wardrobe malfunction and rework the ending, Moolah quickly sprawled on top of McIntyre and scored the pin, thus retaining her title. The finish was as fast as the match and twice as devastating to McIntyre's career. Velvet would eventually win the championship from Moolah on July 3rd of that year, only to lose it right back six days later. Despite being one of the most talented wrestlers the division had ever seen, McIntyre simply could not get over after the accidental squash at WrestleMania. Also from WrestleMania 2, Francis makes the Final Four. It was to be an epic encounter at WrestleMania 2, when NFL players and pro wrestlers collided in a 20-man over-the-top rope battle royal. Some of the NFL's top stars of the day, along with the perennial WWF superstars, would attempt to rock Chicago on this evening. But there was one thing none of them counted on, Russ Francis. Francis, son of former promoter Ed Francis, and at the time, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, entered the match as probably the fourth or fifth most notable NFL superstar in the ring. After all, the WWF had spent the entire pre-match building up a cocky pretty boy named Bill Freilich and the superhero known as William the Refrigerator Perry as a competent opposition for the likes of Big John Studd. So when Freilich was ousted and Perry and Studd canceled each other out, the match fizzled down to four competitors, Andre the Giant, both members of the Hart Foundation, and Russ Francis. Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart quickly targeted Francis, knowing that the finish of the contest was to involve them and Andre exclusively. Yet, whenever they encroached on Francis's territory, to use an NFL term, he would somersault across the ring or duck a simple grapple. Francis was shooting, but not in the typical bad guy style. If anything, he was just trying to show that he had what it took to make it with these guys. And after a few minutes, he gave in and allowed himself to be eliminated. Following his playing career, Francis did begin wrestling in both the AWA and NWA, but nothing could compare to his performance, star-studded, 20-man over-the-top rope battle royal from WrestleMania 2. Vince McMahon and Susan St. James brought you the action from ringside. All-time great slugged it out. Intercontinental gold was at stake, and the most famous boxing match in World Wrestling Federation history took place. Is this wonderful? It's just incredible. Boxing legend Joe Frazier even got involved in the action. Sitting ringside to judge the melee was none other than G. Gordon Liddy, Chocolate Thunder Daryl Dawkins, and Cab Calloway. When the dust had settled in New York, it was time to move on to the Windy City in Chi-Town. 
The atmosphere in Chicago was electric. 20 of the biggest and toughest men from the WWF and NFL prepared to climb into a 20 by 20 foot squared circle and bang it out until one man was left standing. And this battle royal is underway. Wrestling great Gorilla Monsoon was joined by Kathy Lee Crosby. That's incredible to call the action. William the Refrigerator Perry. Jim Cover, Bill Fralick, Harvey Martin, Russ Francis, and Ernie Holmes represented the NFL. This confrontation also called for two referees that couldn't and wouldn't be pushed around. Who else besides Ed Tuttle Jones and Chicago's great linebacker Dick Buckus? When it was all said and done, the seven-foot-four, five-hundred-pound Andre the Giant had raised his hand in victory. Andre the Giant, the winner here in this tremendous, unbelievable 20 to bed over the top invitational battle while. It was now time to move on to Los Angeles and the main event. This is Jesse the Body Ventura. Welcome to WrestleMania 2 right here in Los Angeles, California. The feud started in front of a national television audience on NBC's Saturday night main event. King Kong Bundy versus Hulk Hogan. When it was all said and done, Hulk Hogan took everything the bald-headed behemoth could dish out, and Hulkamania raged on. April 7th was a magnificent day. We look back on this day in history and remember those who are no longer with us. We remember their smiles and their laughter. WrestleMania 2 was unforgettable.
WrestleMania 3. You know what the story is. Savage and Steamboat compared to Hogan and Andre, which was the match that made the show. Some say that WrestleMania 3 was when the WWF finally found its stride as a myth and money-making machine. The high point of the show for everybody watching in real time was the Hogan-Andre match. These two had long been friends for the record. They were only friends in so much as all the good guy wrestlers were friends back then. Though to a young WWF fan familiar with their jovial interactions in the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling cartoon, that meant something. But then Andre decided that he didn't like being overshadowed by Hogan. It all came to a head on an episode of Piper's Pit. This is when Andre was given a trophy for his 15-year undefeated streak, and Hogan received a bigger trophy for his three-year title reign as WWF champion. Looking back at it, some would say Hogan's promo was sort of arrogant, and his acceptance speech seemed as if he was gloating. Hogan was stunned as Andre walked out on the ceremony. When Andre next appeared on Piper's Pit, it was with his new manager, Bobby, the brain he did. Andre tore off Hogan's t-shirt and crucifix and initiated an unthinkable heel turn. The often told behind-the-scenes story here is almost as good as the on-screen one. Andre, who had been a special attraction fan favorite throughout his career, was broken down physically, nearly to the point of retirement. He was convinced by Vince McMahon to play the bad guy what would presumably be his last high-profile storyline. It was a bold move by McMahon and a brave acceptance by Andre himself. This was because if fans rejected the transformation, Andre would lose his reputation and the WWF would lose all the money that reputation would have earned. But the ploy worked beautifully, largely thanks to Andre's convincing stone-faced presence during the lead-up to the match. He looked brainwashed, as overcome by the new booze he was hearing as by his grievance with Hogan. Hulk, for his part, was physically overmatched for the first time in his career. Wrestling fans like their heroes to be supermen or underdogs, either one, and for the first and only time in his career, Hogan was both. It's hard to describe the significance of this feud at the time, but it was somewhere between Ali Liston and World War II. Imagine a Super Bowl quarterback matchup between Peyton Manning and Darth Vader, and you'll get a tiny hit of what it was like to be at WrestleMania III. The wrestling itself was nothing spectacular. Both men were great showmen, though neither was an even competent grappler at that point in their careers. But the hype and the drama were enough to fuel the encounter. When Hogan body-slammed Andre, the 93,173 kayfabe in it that packed into the Pontiac Silverdome simultaneously screamed in a wild fashion. The backstory here was that Hogan was in real life petrified going into the match because he knew that he couldn't lift Andre without Andre allowing him to. And Andre had notoriously been known for acting selfishly in a sense to where if he didn't feel he should put you over, he wouldn't. Despite the fact that Andre had technically lost before, Hogan's fear was well-founded. Andre may be the only wrestler in history whose losses were faker than his wins. 
if they got into the ring and Andre decided to rewrite the script and make himself the victor, there was little Hogan could do to stop him. After the match, Andre glared at Hogan, celebrating in the ring as he stood perplexed in the parade float-style mini-ring that was ferrying him back to the locker room. The whole post-match sequence lasted almost seven minutes, but it felt like forever, in large part because the announcers, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, were left nearly speechless by an outcome that they knew was coming. It was that big a moment. In a sense, Andre made Hulk Hogan in that WrestleMania 3 main event. As some say, especially Al Snow, the technicians or the Matt Classics would say Savage Steamboat was the match of the night, but it's Hogan versus Andre that brought 93,000 plus to the Pontiac Silverdome in a match that made Hulk Hogan's career. The stories behind WrestleManias 4 and 5 were filled with facts and stats, one of which involved it being the third and fourth WrestleManias that I was lucky enough to witness in person. Let's start off with WrestleMania 4. The WWE Championship was declared vacant in the days leading up to WrestleMania 4, the first time the title had ever been vacant since Buddy Rogers became the first WWE Champion in 1962. WrestleMania 4 featured a 14-man tournament for the vacant WWE Championship. This was the only time this has happened in the long history of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 4 was the first time the WWE Championship changed hands at WrestleMania when Randy Savage was crowned the new World Wrestling Federation Champion. The opening match of WrestleMania 4 was a 20-man battle royal, the second battle royal in WrestleMania history. Andre won the first one at WrestleMania 2. Bad News Brown emerged victorious in the match, eliminating Hall of Famer Bret the Hitman Hart. WrestleMania 4 had 15 matches, the most of any WrestleMania event. Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth wore different outfits for each of the four matches they were involved in at WrestleMania 4. You cannot deny that is attention to detail. Plaza. 
Barbosa on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. And we're off and running. Battle wild, battle wild, battle wild. Boy, it's mayhem out there. Arms and legs swinging everywhere. Bad news, Victoria's here at the expense of the hitman. You're bailing out of the broadcast position, going out to try to find Vanna. The Intercontinental title up for grabs. After tonight's all over with it, the new champion. You're gonna get it, Bruno. Shake, rattle, and roll. DJ Victoria's here on this qualification, not the kind of victory he wanted. Looking all over for Vanna White. Bob Euchre's been hanging around here. He's been hanging all over me, looking for you. Hey, you haven't seen him, have you? Who? Hey, how about getting your, how about getting your foot off my shoulder? It all boils down. I'll say it again. The tournament, the first ever in World Wrestling Federation history. Where is she? Bob Euchre. He's here. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. WrestleMania 4. to WrestleMania 5, Superfly. Jimmy Snuka made a surprise guest appearance at WrestleMania 5. It was the first time that Superfly had shown up at WrestleMania since accompanying Hulk Hogan and Mr. T to the ring at the very first ever WrestleMania event. WrestleMania 5 was held in the same venue as for Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. Both Shawn Michaels and the Big Boss Man made their WrestleMania debuts at WrestleMania 5, taking on each other. Sean, as his partner, Marty Jannetty, took on Bossman and Akeem, the Twin Towers. Rap superstars Run DMC performed a special WrestleMania rap at WrestleMania 5. Eleven years later, Run DMC would again be featured at WrestleMania. Their version of D-Generation X theme song from the Aggression CD accompanied Road Dogg and X-Pac to the ring. Hulk Hogan defeated Randy Savage to become... WWE Champion in the main event of WrestleMania 5, the first of three times Hogan would win the title at a WrestleMania. At WrestleMania 7, he defeated Sgt. Slaughter, and at WrestleMania 9, Hogan beat Yokozuna. After facing off in a body slam match at the first WrestleMania, Andre and Big John Studd were again involved in the same match at WrestleMania 5. Stud served as guest referee for the match between Andre and Jake, the Snake Roberts. When Rick Rude defeated the Ultimate Warrior to win the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, it marked the Warriors' first pinfall loss in the World Wrestling Federation. The tag team of Strike Force, Rick Martel and Tito Santana, broke up at WrestleMania 5 after losing to the Brainbusters. So many memorable moments from WrestleMania's 4 and 5 from Trump Plaza in Atlantic City, New Jersey. 
Piper's permanent paint job took place at WrestleMania 6. For weeks leading up to WrestleMania 6, Bad News Brown called out Rowdy Roddy Piper as a critical white man that was working to keep his kind down and was nothing but a stupid clown. How did the WWE Hall of Famer respond? In spades, of course. In one of the most memorable career moments, Piper appeared for the contest by painting half of his body entirely black, thus presenting the image of a divided man who is half black, half white. The statement that he was not going to take any guff from no man, black or white, was one that Piper was famous for, and he pulled it off with such bravado that it was hard to find the whole circumstance controversial. But not everything went perfectly for the rowdy one that evening, as the paint job was a little more emphatic than Piper realized. He'd been covered with a special paint that was designed to last through intense conditions like sweat and water that you'd deal with in the elements of a professional wrestling match. Such a concoction required a special solvent to wash off, and when it came time to do just that, Piper relinquished more blood than paint. So he remained painted for the better part of the next three weeks, using traditional methods like rinse, slather, repeat, and various saunas while attempting to go out about his everyday life. Half black, half white, like a black and white cookie. Piper was even stopped in the airport on his way home to Oregon due to the situations he caused by not only being painted so oddly, but also because he was carrying a large stuffed Mickey Mouse onto the plane for his child. Piper would end up buying two first-class tickets for the mouse, all the while still painted like a goon. Only the hot rod. The festivities are about to get underway, so let's go down the ringside. God keep our land glorious and free. Oh. Super Bowl. I've been to the World Series. I've even been to the Rolling Stones. But there is one event that surpasses them all, and that's WrestleMania. And here we are, Gorilla. I'm fired up.
trying to get some circulation back in that body. And the warrior is static, obviously, Hulk with his belt now. He's going back in the ring, Jess. Look at the tears in his eyes. Hulkster climbing those steps. Look at the hush silence going over the crowd. They don't know what the Hulkster's going to do, and neither do I. Oh, look at this. Hulk presented the belt and raised the hand of the warrior. The Hulkster has just taken one giant step towards immortality. At WrestleMania 7, there were security issues. The WWF often enjoys the art-imitating lifestyle of doing things. So when America went to war in the early 90s, of course, the WWF acted swiftly in bringing back Sergeant Slaughter to increase fan morale. Except that Slaughter wasn't back to be good old G.I. Joe. Instead, Slaughter returned as an Iraqi sympathizer that would spew venom at the crowd about how he and Saddam Hussein were best friends. While all this was in terrible taste, the decision to book Slaughter into the WWF Championship was equally controversial. With WrestleMania 7 just around the corner and looming, the WWF decided to forego a potential money-making rematch between the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan in favor of Slaughter against Hulkamania. Vince McMahon even had the bright idea to book the event in the massive Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in hopes that this show of incredibly patriotic heroism would motivate over 100,000 fans to beat that 93,000 quote-unquote record to attend this event. The shattering all other records. And finally, defeating that WrestleMania 3 record, which we already w- was questionable, which we already questioned in a previous story. Vince McMahon honestly believed that Hogan Slaughter would outdraw Hogan Andre. Then, just weeks before the event, the WWF changed the venue from the Coliseum to the Los Angeles Sports Arena due to quote-unquote security issues with Slaughter's character as an Iraqi turncoat. Such a citation was immediately noted as being suspicious. And sure enough, it was confirmed that the WWF simply had not sold near enough tickets to fill the Coliseum. In fact, had the event gone on as planned, there was a better than 90% chance that the venue would have been less than half full. Ticket sales were projected to be around 30,000 when the change took place, leaving still around 70,000 seats to be claimed. The arena, however, would be full to capacity of almost 17,000, which was more than enough for WDF to make the switch to claim ulterior motives. the second 1990 the day that will live in infamy that is the day that iraq invaded 
This guy is anything but a great American. He has the opportunity to be a role model for all of our boys over in the Middle East. Instead of that, this man is a complete mercenary. America has gone soft, not only physically, but soft to the head. Sergeant Slaughter unquestionably may be the most unpopular World Wrestling Federation champion ever. What I see is an infidel, a foreigner who was invaded by Turk. I also see a man who plays by the old rules. But we're not playing by the old rules anymore. We're playing by Sergeant Slaughter. This is an example of the rules Sergeant Slaughter plays by. He's a madman, and he's not deserving to wear the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. and no-selling from WrestleMania 8. The main event of WrestleMania that year from Indianapolis was confusing for many reasons. Perhaps the most obvious was that the main event was actually billed as a double main event in which the, the WWF Championship match between Ric Flair and Randy Savage would share the stage with a final clash between Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan. Debating on whether Hogan used backstage politics to get the position is better saved for another time. What is known is that the finish of the contest was a complete and total smorgasbord of mistakes. Sid's contract with the company was up after the match, and he was already unhappy having to do the job to Hogan. Making matters worse, Papa Shango was scheduled to do a run-in that would cause the whole thing to go into disarray until the Ultimate Warrior showed up and cleaned house in his re-debut. It seemed easy enough, right? Hogan would hit the leg drop on Sid, Shango would interfere, and Warrior would save the day. Then the match would somehow end, not in a disqualification, 
but with another leg drop and Hogan pinning Sid. Too bad that isn't even close to what had happened. Hogan hit the leg drop. That part went according to plan, but Shunkel missed his cue, leaving Sid's manager, Harvey Whippleman, to try and get involved in a fruitless effort. Left with few other options, Sid kicked out of the Hogan leg drop instead of selling the pin, as was the original ending plan. If you're going to go out, might as well no-sell the biggest move of the biggest star on the biggest event in the industry, right? Once Hogan finally hit the ring and Warrior made his return, the match ended in confusion and disqualification. It didn't help that the contest went on last, meaning that the true main event of the biggest show in wrestling ended with a total cop-out. Ultimate Warrior, what a combo! 
The WrestleMania of Bad Ideas from WrestleMania 9. Sometimes booking matches is an art. Other times it is complete crapshoot. And sometimes you can't just book two men together without epically horrible results. WrestleMania 9 was not a very good event for the World Wrestling Federation as a whole. The choice of an outdoor venue combined with the silly twists and turns in the main event and a card that was lacking in overall star power didn't help matters much as a total combination of events. Neither did a simple undercard battle between Razor Ramon and Bob Backlund. Razor Ramon was still a newcomer to the Federation and was cutting his teeth as a top heel. He'd already competed in two main event level matches on pay-per-view, so this battle, buried in the undercard, was easily a demotion. Backstage, Scott Hall didn't take too kindly to anybody, and would be the first to tell you that it was all business. Though, he had yet to form any real allegiances with people like Shawn Michaels, he still sported a holier-than-thou attitude. Hall's opponent, Bob Backlund, was incredibly intelligent, both inside and outside of the ring, but his later persona, as a rambling psycho on the brink of genius, was a little too accurate to his actual persona. Backlund believed he was better than this, and was willing to show Hall just how foolish he could look with a smarter, uncooperative opponent. Booking the two together should have been an unmitigated disaster overall, you'd say, and to some extent it was. They battled for fewer than four minutes with Hall angrily trying to power moves and potatoes to get his point across while Backlund stuck to the mat wrestling game and presented hip tosses to keep Hall on his toes and taking unnecessary bumps. To the untrained eye, the match was, you could say it went according to plan, but upon further examination, it was a horrible mistake that almost cost both men their jobs. Backlund and Ramon, Backlund and Hall, not a good combo. You could say the whole WrestleMania 9 card wasn't a good combo. Giant Gonzalez versus The Undertaker. Do I dare say more? The only match in The Undertaker's win streak that resulted in a disqualification. One of the bright spots of that WrestleMania, though, was the debut of good old JR, Jim Ross, to the broadcast booth. gentlemen, our opening ceremonies here at WrestleMania 9 will certainly be a memorable one as you see the gladiators. We had camels and elephants and Undertaker came in in a chariot with a big raven over his shoulder. All the people at ringside, the cameramen, cable pullers, the audio men, and the commentators all wore togas. It was just spectacular. Macho Toga, Macho Man with those Vestal 
pure of body and pure of thought are those Vestal Virgins, we are informed. The Roman Coliseum, the grapes were great and the chicks were cool. Oh, yeah. Where is Bobby hey, the Brain here? I thought he was going to be. I get a brain for you. A big surprise. You make it or break it in the World Wrestling Federation. I made it. a challenge to Hulk Hogan to Hogan is more concerned with helping his friend Bret Hart. We need one more incentive. We will put on the new WWF and we go He's, on the line right now. He says, Fuji says right he'll now. put the WWF title on the line right now. Come on. Let's go. Let any gut that do it. Come on. Mr. Fuji has said that they will put the WWF title
The imperfect rivalry from WrestleMania's 9 and 10 together. Right around 1993, the WWF was looking for new rivalries to make the company some substantial money. With Hogan on his way out and the potential for new heroes limited to Bret Hart, the WWF decided to make a go of it with the Narcissist and Mr. Perfect. Lex Luger and Kurt Henning were booked into a one-on-one affair at WrestleMania 9 in an effort to elevate both men to the next level. Following a quick heel finish, they ran backstage where Perfect encountered the breakthrough star, Shawn Michaels. It was simple. Perfect would feud with both Luger and Michaels throughout 1993, making all three the top tier of stars alongside Yokozuna and Bret Hart. But Perfect's feud with HBK was short-lived, and his feud with Luger never continued as the Lex Express was just about to take off. By Survivor Series, Perfect cited back issues as reason enough to bail out on the opening contest, a fact that Scott Hall would shoot on to open the pay-per-view. By 1994, Henning was formulating another return and was again thrust into the spotlight with Luger. This time, though, Perfect was to play the heel to Luger's super-American face, costing him the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 10. What was to follow was a series of matches that would culminate at SummerSlam and again establish Perfect as a top draw. But the back pains and the head pains were just too much as the rivalry never came to fruition. He would stop wrestling on a regular basis for the company, making sporadic appearances before departing for World Championship Wrestling. Quite possibly, they didn't attempt to make the Henning feud with Luger go longer, likely out of fear that Henning's back would go out. What would have happened to the wrestling business if Kurt Henning was put in that main event spotlight at a time when the World Wrestling Federation was looking for new top stars? Could there have been a perfect era for the WWF Championship? Certainly, Kurt Henning goes down to one of the greatest superstars ever to never hold the WWF title. Quite possibly, with this storyline, or this angle with Luger, it could have catapulted him to that main event level status. A decade in the making, WrestleMania 10 returned to where it all began. history-making night, the WWE Universe witnessed two hearts compete like champions, and the heartbreak kid taking one giant leap into WWE immortality. Owen and Bret Hart were the foundation of the legendary Hart family. United we stand, divided we fall. In this ferocious battle between sibling rivals, there were no titles at stake. Personal and family pride were of even greater consequence. I don't know what law it is that says just because you're older than me, that makes you better than me. It doesn't make you better than me, Brett. The brothers' vitriol led to two virtuoso performances in one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. Bret Hart cannot beat his younger brother, and he senses it right now. Bret Hart going up. Look at this. A victory. No. Wow. What? Oh. Hey. 
spotlight. The Hearts had a match for the ages, but it was Shawn Michaels who stole the show. That's what it's all about. The two Intercontinental Championship belts hanging from above. In the first ever televised ladder match, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon gave a glimpse into the future of the WWE. How could he still stand after getting hit with that ladder like that? Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Michaels, look at this! His foot's locked in the ring! Yes! I cannot believe it! Razor is the undisputed Intercontinental Champion! Thanks to Razor Ramon and the incomparable Shawn Michaels, a ladder match at WrestleMania has come to mean money in the bank. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. WrestleManiacs, it's time to thank the sponsors of Beyond the Bell. They help bring your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast to you each and every week. Barber Shop Window, the place that makes wrestling t-shirts cool again to wear. Yes, you could wear a wrestling t-shirt out in public. They release brand new shirts every single week. Brand new designs, you name it, they carry it. They are hip, they are cool, no joke. We're talking WrestleMania season, and of course the stars of WrestleMania, past, present, and quite possibly future, are represented as well at Barbershop Window. One of my personal favorite designs is the Big Boss Man t-shirt, who of course would not want to wear a t-shirt that looks like the Big Boss Man's baby blue shirt. Gotta love it. Not to mention, you can get the Akeem t-shirt. You can make the Twin Towers at Barbershop Window. Follow them at B-Shop Window on Twitter and go to BarbershopWindow.com now and make your wrestling wardrobe cool again. SNSRadioNetwork.com Your home for everything related to professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, video gaming, and sci-fi. Get all the latest news and listen to innovative audio released daily. The network is anchored by the two flagship shows, Wrestling News Live and Sunday Night Showdown. They cover every pay-per-view. The talented hosts of SNS Radio Network cover it all. So go to SNSRadioNetwork.com now. If you're not listening, you're not trying. Ringannouncing.com, your home for WrestleMania Month here at Beyond the Bell. It's the home of the future of ring announcing, Sean Beckerman. You can watch the latest videos and demo reels of ring announcer Sean Beckerman on the independent wrestling scene. Go now to ringannouncing.com and celebrate 29 years of WrestleMania during WrestleMania month at Beyond the Bell. Combat Zone Wrestling on DVD. The ultra-violent wrestling promotion can be seen on your TV or on your computer, smartphone, or tablet. You can purchase all CZW ultra-violent events. Stream them live straight on your desktop computer at czwrestling.com. Get ready to get ultra-violent with CZW. The NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. Tried, tested, honored, and of course, revered. You can catch the NWA nationwide through multiple affiliates from coast to coast. 
check out the Talk NWA podcast, the NWA history, tradition, and respect. Go to nwawrestling.org now, preserving tradition and blazing new paths. Squared Circle Media, Jerome Willem brings you a forum for the fans. SquaredCircleMedia.net gives wrestling fans a voice. You can post your opinions and thoughts on what's happening today in the world of wrestling. Join the conversation at Pro Wrestling Ringside on Blogspot. Share your opinions now. Connect socially to Beyond the Bell via Twitter and tell at Sean Beckerman. Become a fan of Beyond the Bell on Facebook under the BTB fan page. All audio and video clips can be seen under the YouTube channel Ring Announcing for Beyond the Bell. You can download all of the archive shows at ringannouncing.com as well as snsradionetwork.com. You smartphone users, download all archive shows directly via iTunes, the Stitcher app, and TuneIn Radio. You can catch new episodes of Beyond the Bell every Monday night, each and every week. Like the SNS Radio Network, if you're not listening, you're not trying. Want to become a sponsor of Beyond the Bell? Contact us at btbwrestling at gmail.com or beckerman at ringannouncing.com. Put under the title, Advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution now as we go back to rewind and relive all things retro in wrestling. Classic, old school, you name it, it's Beyond the Bell on the SNS Radio Network. Old school fans, that concludes part one of the stories behind WrestleMania Volume 2. The next two parts will look into the remaining WrestleManias. The second one will involve WrestleMania 11 through 20, and then 21 through 28. As we get ready for WrestleMania 29 from MetLife Stadium, my own backyard in New Jersey. Like Apollo Creed said, ding, ding. It's time to go for the three count and take it home with some old school music, WrestleMania style. One of the loudest pops in WrestleMania history was the return of the Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania 8. So, we will wrap up with one of the greatest themes of all time, Unstable, the theme song for the Ultimate Warrior here on on Beyond the Bell. Until our next WrestleMania edition, this is your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, signing off, and I'll see you at WrestleMania 29.
WrestleMania season, and it's WrestleMania time here at Beyond the Bell. Last year, the entire month of March was filled with WrestleMania-themed content. This year will be no different. Throughout the month of March, leading into the biggest event of the year for sports entertainment, we will be releasing tons of WrestleMania-themed content. Get ready for Volume 2 of the Stories Behind WrestleMania. Split into three parts where we look back at the previous 28 WrestleManias and the stories behind each and every spectacular event. Get ready to go back in time and learn about the untold stories behind the granddaddy of them all. We will celebrate the 2013 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Look back at the careers of each inductee and how they made their mark in the world of professional wrestling. And then leading up to the biggest event of the year, you can listen to Beyond the Bell Extra Editions as I will be on site at WrestleMania 29. You will hear audio from myself on site at the location MetLife Stadium from the 2013 Hall of Fame in Madison Square Garden and at WWE Access at the IZOD Center, formerly the Meadowlands Arena. All three locations will be there live on site. We will give you a first-hand look, or should I say listen, to the sights and sounds of WrestleMania weekend. All this and more during WrestleMania season at Beyond the Bell, starting this March. Get ready, because it's WrestleMania! WrestleMania! 